0: hello everyone and welcome to desertos the jungle presented by lost Ark your odyssey begins today by clicking in the link in the description uh, it's Degon, Monty and Dom here to break down all things happening around the lol esports sphere uh, we had crazy upsets in the LCS LCK and LPL uh, finishing up their playoff I guess seeding I guess LPL still has like a couple more matches that were rescheduled, and we begin the LEC playoffs in this
1: upcoming week. How are you guys, Monty? How are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I didn't watch as much league as I normally do because I spent the, most of the week in Vegas directing a Rainbow Six shoot. But you know, I, I'm I'm up on the the T1 stuff. Watched all the LCS games this weekend. It's another glorious week of being alive in esports. <laughs> Always glorious.
0: Uh Dom, how about you, man? You got to cast some uh some matches this week. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, I got to get involved with with the OTK tournament, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot more fun than, than anything that's been happening with professional League of Legends these days, which is a little bit interesting. Uh considering that like, you know, most of the players were just like silver and gold and, and plat. But it kind of like made me ha- have a different perspective on League of Legends about like how much better League of Legends is when it's just like five people. They don't have to be like super high skilled, but just like working together, on voice comms together. Like that is what League is supposed to be. And you know, especially when, when you have tournaments with people that actually like each other on the same team, that's really key to you know making it just an enjoyable spirit experience. So I thought was that, that different that was, that than your great.
1: professional experience as a player?
2: Uh, no. Well, it my professional experience. Most of the teams that I was on, we were all, like, good friends. Most of the teams I was on, we were all good friends. (laughs) That was when League was the most fun. It seemed like that's when uh, viewers enjoyed it the most as well. So who knows? Maybe there's something to it.
0: Wanted friends to find success. Uh, Didn't always happen, but those were the good old days. If you're like Monty, though, and have had a busy week and want to keep... Up with all the news that's happening. Make sure to like and subscribe this video and the deserto uh lol esports channel, or I guess esports channel. It'll keep you up to date on everything happening here. Uh let's dive into some of the biggest news that happened around uh LCS. Yes, there were upsets. Yes, Cloud9 lost, yes, team liquid lost. But before yet again, it's TSM fucking up somehow. This time. Maybe not their fault, but one they of were the staff,
1: victim this time. For once,
0: they were the victim <laughs> no. of uh, a, what is it? A conflict of interest, Monty. Uh, assist, uh, I guess player development. Former coach, I think worked with Dom at one point earlier on in his career. Peter now Zhang my coach. was uh, let go. He was let go during the week, just kind of abruptly uh over allegations and they were a, a, a statement came out uh by TSM saying that they were letting them go they have no they're uh talking to their counsel, and they have no more comment at that time Peter Zhang put out a quick tweet saying hey I am leaving TSM I did something I didn't know you know, didn't think I was wrong, but I will co- cooperate with what's happening. And then a firestorm happened of, like, what could this be? Peter Chang getting let go. You know, it was in match match fixing. And then Commissioner, I guess, Commissioner 2B, Commissioner that's coming on in. Jackie Felling comes in on Reddit. She's a Redditor, y'all. Hops in and says, this is not
1: match, fix- match fixing. has nothing to do with match fixing. I will not make an official comment. Which, b- which, by the way, she can't possibly know. Given the 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 information we have, because all I'll say is that borrowing large sums of money from his players for mysterious, unverifiable reasons, gambling could definitely be a part of that. And there is no way she could possibly know that it's not. So maybe jump the gun a little bit on that one.
2: Well, was, all I'm saying is with, with TSM, I'm like with them losing every game. I'm pretty sure they can't fix matches. Like it's not possible. It's like oh, they lost again. Like what? Well, <laughs> like what 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 could they actually do in that circumstance so so you know what the match fixing i can understand i can get behind that but the betting who knows
0: (laughs) so with all that if you want to get more information on that head on over to deserto uh richard lewis uh the great richard lewis doing investigative journalism and leading the way on that one collecting all the information and actually talking to peter Zhang himself uh on that one so uh Pretty uh, interesting stuff there. But basically, uh, it was initially stated that this was for uh, acting as both a staff member on TSM player development and the liaison to get uh, LPL and LDL players to TSM, but then acting as a de facto agent for these players once he's kind of gotten the buy-in by TSM. Without telling
1: TSM. Correct. And then taking so, a percentage of their salaries.
0: So, and taking percentages of salaries, which is something that was confirmed. I think it was like a thousand, a thousand bucks a month uh, from uh, your, son, your son, the the backup support, who got some reps in the LCS, I guess the academy support, who got some reps. But the
1: implication LCS. is that he probably was doing it to the other players as well.
0: Correct. There was uh, some information about... Uh, <laughs> selling Sword Art's very expensive car that Sword Art used while he was in the States. And then uh, the, the reasoning that is currently going around is that it was, he was holding on to the $80,000 plus,
1: uh, along with some of the other players, to pay for his grandmother's surgery bill. Uh, of which and he then, has produced no evidence that his grandmother required surgery, crucially.
0: Yeah, and then uh, apparently has paid back uh most of it if not all of it but it it did lead to like hey players needing to ask for it and then kind of like threatening to go public uh with this situation so uh a lot to kind of parse through here but with the facts that are kind of out monty i kind of wanted to know where is it a very very bad ugly stain for tsm in terms of like hey they just didn't want to deal with this kind of mess and where was it like legally illegal Where is the law like come into?
1: I mean, I don't fucking know, dude. I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) What what I will say is that to me, uh, I have worked at law firms, but I am not a lawyer. Uh, To me, it does look like it's possibly criminal fraud or embezzlement. Um, That's certainly on the table. At the very least, it is probably a lawsuit from TSM uh, for defrauding the company, um, which is. I think probably why he went back to China as fast as he could because (laughs) it will be very hard to get him out of China and over to the U.S. to face either potentially criminal charges or even just a lawsuit uh, because they're not going to extradite him. So probably means he can't come to the States ever again, at the very least, I would assume, unless this gets cleared up somehow in his favor, which does not seem likely. Um, Because even if he did have the most... Angelic of intentions of helping these players out with, you know, serve as their agents, help them out. The fact that he didn't disclose it to the org and the fact that the very action of doing this gives him immense power in terms of either not saying he did this, but he could in this situation, this is why it's a conflict of interest, he could blackmail certain players into agreeing to this to to even be on the roster, say, well, you're not going to get on the roster unless you pay me this because I'm your agent now, or manipulating the roster by saying, well, I'm go- I'm not going to recommend you to be on the roster unless you are, you know, or like he already signed these, he's already their agent, right? And then he's like to TSM, he's like, well, this player's really good. We should definitely hire this player for this salary because I'm going to take a piece of it, right? So he could have misled uh, other coaches or the management at TSM. And especially with what we know about Lena going public and saying that Lena and Parth wanted a different roster with Hooney, Spika, Jensen, Double Lift, Vulcan. If we're to take that at face value, um, then this other roster of which he was allegedly taking a cut of suddenly seems a lot more suspicious, especially since we know from what Reggie has said that they were approximately the same price. Right uh dom thoughts on this whole
0: kind of debacle that's happening here
2: well i'm trying to think do uh, is there anyone that stands out as you know potentially from taiwan or china that's on tsm rosters that would be like underperforming that could have potentially been oversold um to the organization i mean i don't i don't see anyone right now so you know uh, we i I don't know uh, unlikely
1: (laughs) that this (laughs) could this could have happened but (laughs) the worst player in the world championship one year
2: yeah yeah true so I mean, I guess we, we, uh, we have to see what actually comes of this, because obviously Peter Zhang, um, actually communicated with, uh, Richard Lewis, like for the article. So, um, it looked like there was at least, I mean, I assume that, th- that, that what he's saying in, in, uh, the article that was released is, you know, hard to prove. Like he can say, Oh, here, are th- here are the, like the, the money that I was actually paying back. I was just borrowing money from players. Um, But it seems like it it is unlikely for the most part that that Peter Zhang is in the right in this situation. seems very sketchy to be borrowing money from players anyway when you're in a position of power. Like, even if that was, like, the most innocent thing, like, even if he had innocent intentions, that is, like, a fucked-up circumstance anyway. Because Um, the players might
1: be afraid of you cutting them if you don't, like, you're in a position of authority over them. uh, So you can't... That's why this is a conflict of interest, guys, where even if his, like I said, his intentions are if we assume the best possible intentions that he could have had it's still the the, the entire scenario is so rife with potential abuse that it simply cannot be allowed to exist but shout out to, to tsm suddenly understanding what a conflict of interest well, I, that, is that, that, because that was, that was so shocking to me
2: <laughs> well that was so strange to me that they chose that wording because before the deserto, like this the deserto article made them look a lot better than their original statement like their original statement is like oh we we found out that one of our coaches has a conflict of interest it's like wait what the fu-? like you guys are the team that was the most okay with conflicts of interest within your organization so like saying that I, I, it just made me start thinking immediately it's like, I wonder what the conflict of interest could be. Like, maybe maybe Peter Zhang was trying to win League of Legends games at LCS. Like, that's, that was something that, you know, <laughs> came to me. Like, maybe he just wasn't for the, you know, brutal verbal abuse of players to the point of tears. Like, I was thinking of all these other possibilities that could have been in, in the situation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems really weird that they would, like, phrase it like that when I feel like they, I mean, I guess they have to worry about, like, whatever harms their lawsuit. But... I don't know. I felt like up until the Disserto article was released, they looked like they were a lot, you know, it looked a lot sketchier um, than it oh. actually ended up being because you know how TSM runs. Like, TSM has had a bunch of fucked up things happen recently. So when you see, oh, somebody else gets fired, it's like, I don't know, like, TSM, you've had some weird firings. Like, a lot of the people that you fired previously are clapping back against the organization. Like, I don't yep. know. Yeah. Well, well Dom, I
1: think True. that's why they made it ambiguous because... TSM should be very afraid of people who have been in that organization with nothing to lose, because Mm -hmm. the amount of information that Peter could potentially make public if they go scorched earth on him uh, would probably be very detrimental to their current uh, PR situation. So, you know, we know certain things happen within TSM. We know Reggie behaves in a certain way. We know Peter Zhang has seen that behavior. What happens if you know the only thing that's prevented other people from going public is is fear of not being able to get a job in the industry or their ramifications? If you remove that fear, uh, I think it's dangerous for TSM. So I think that's part of probably part of the reason why they were, uh, you know, not so direct about it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Jeng's been with the organization since November 2018. So what three three and a half years, and even before that, you know, was been. He knows where North the bodies America.
1: are buried he knows where the bodies are buried. Right.
0: <laughs> and has been in the LCS in, in North America like working the system for what since 2014 he came with uh LMQ. That is where Those Peter Zhang back. uh started. So back in uh 2014. So I think long uh, you, he was in the space long enough to know what it's like against TSM, what's like working with TSM was like inside of TSM. So uh definitely a, a very precarious position i think for uh tsm to be in right now to
1: to keep an eye on so uh so we'll see how that experience goes. of working with him i'm curious
2: um so i i never thought like it, it's it strikes me really strange that he would be like i mean the type of guy that would be able to like cut these deals and have this like massive like mastermind plan to be taking player salary while also like trying to get like he just didn't seem like that type of guy he seems like smart about the game but he generally seemed like more reserved with that type of stuff so um mind you this is seven years ago and he was a lot younger at that point i think he was like 21 um but it's it came off really strange to me because i could never imagine him um doing that you know i mean he was extremely honest with me uh as as a player as far as i know um and seemed like truthful most of the time so i mean i was kind of shocked because it just didn't seem like it was something in his personality or something that he would be able to actually manage that well i mean my experience with him was that he was somebody that was really easy to see through you know he wore his his emotions on his sleeve so to speak so being that type of guy you're normally not able to have this like construct a plan like this behind the scenes and keep it secretive the entire time like uh, that just didn't seem like something that he would be able to to do for this amount of time. I mean, so it's it's pretty shocking. I mean, it's like, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously something that, that shows him in a negative light, but it was like almost impressive in, in, a, in another way to me where I was like, holy shit, Peter, like you, you knew how to do all this shit. Like what the <laughs> fuck?
1: Like, I I don't think so. Dom, I, I agree with you. I think what this looks like to me is, so it, it's possible that the story about his family Illness and like needing surgery is true. Um, in which case, like he might, he might have you know done some potentially semi unethical things or unethical things in order to acquire that money. However, we haven't seen any proof of that. And to be cynical, a lot of the times when people say stuff like that, tell other people a sob story to borrow money, it's because there's some sort of underlying addictive behavior, whether that's drugs or gambling or something else, or they're in some kind of personal trouble that they are not going to reveal. Uh, because they think they're not going to get that money. And so that fuels this behavior. It is very difficult for me to believe that he wouldn't be making enough money on TSM over the years to pay for this himself, which also, yeah. you know, when you when you have all your your life expenses taken care of because you're on a professional team and you're making six figures, you tend to be able to save a lot of that money. So it's weird that you know, he would need this extra money in order to do that, which means that there's probably, you know, something potentially else going on here. Maybe it's true. Yeah. It might be true, I mean, but it does stretch belief. I will say
2: that I will say he never struck me as somebody who was like super financially like responsible or financially conscious in general. It seemed like he was more, you know, like I don't even know how else to explain it, but he just seemed more like in the moment. Like that was not something that he was super concerned with when when I knew him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could see him being financially irresponsible. I can't really see him, but but, I mean, I guess for me, that's kind of why I can't really see him scamming people for money is because normally the people that are scamming people for money are extremely like, you know, they think about money a lot. Like that's how they're, they're always trying to to shift and move these things behind the scenes is because that's something that, um, they're always trying to get a leg up and earn an advantage in. So I, I just think it's really strange that I'm hearing all this stuff about Peter. Like there's other people in the scene, you know, Look, no, no offense, uh, Monty, but, you know, when, when we had the co-owner of, of Renegades, you know, I, I could see that guy, uh, <laughs> Medali, <laughs> yeah. being more, like, sketchy with money. He was somebody that, that struck me as um, just somebody that was, like, trying to get a leg up. That was just, like, he had that snake type of feel to him, but I don't see that really with, with Peter. So, I mean, it's really surprising. I mean, I don't know anything ab- about it behind the scenes. I mean, I got pretty much the same story from Peter that was published in the, the Deserta article. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what ends up happening if it does go, go to court, like what is brought up from both sides, like if there is any proof oh. provided. <laughs> um, if it goes to
1: court, he's he's never coming back to the States, dude. That's just not a thing. That's not going yeah. to <laughs>
2: well, I guess, I mean, I think that that
1: will be, uh, that will condemn him enough in my mind if he just doesn't fight it uh, at not all. Not necessarily. Fighting, you know, fighting a legal battle against a, you know, 100... $400 million company is maybe not something that he wants to spend his life on. Like, it's really difficult to do that. So I, I mean, don't if think he actually necessarily... thinks that he is like completely correct, though, like if he thinks that, that he didn't actually do anything wrong and he has the, the means to prove it, which I assume that he would. Uh... Yeah, but you don't get like if he gets sued and he has to pay a bunch of lawyers, he doesn't necessarily get any kind of damages as a result of winning. I like mean, the, the battle sure, is not in that one, pointless. but then he would. I mean, I assume that then he would file a civil suit afterwards. Um, who knows it's hard to prove repu- it's it's hard to prove reputational damage, uh, especially if you're a public figure in America. So who knows I mean there, there's a lot of nuance to this, but nope. I, I you know it it doesn't seem to me that he was being actively malicious, but that he put himself into a situation where you can be very malicious and that's why it cannot be allowed and he just didn't put two and two together on that one
0: yeah uh again. Even double if saying like just a couple days ago, asked him for seventy thousand.
1: These are not small sums of money. This is a lot of. Money. This is this is why I think there's something else going on, dude. This is this is like Sky Williams's fucking Ponzi scheme. He's 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 doing something in his life that is unsustainable in terms of money, and so he he has to keep asking people for it. This is what weird. what
2: actually happened to Sky Williams. I know he was like he's like I'm gonna stream to make back the money, and then he just disappeared or what? Uh, I, I guess he's streaming.
1: I mean, yeah, I haven't seen, I I haven't seen him
2: stream in like the last three months. So.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he always said he was going to make videos and stream and then never did it. So maybe it's just another one of those.
0: Let's move on from this topic here from uh, Peter Zhang. And we'll see what happens here in the future to uh, the LCS this week. And before we do, of course, uh, to keep up with all the news here, uh, and we are trying to push to get more subscribers here on the Deserto League of Legends YouTube channel. We're at 6,000 right now. Uh, Astralis, one of the greatest organizations in Counter-Strike, maybe not so much League of Legends, only has uh, 11,600 subs. So we are halfway there. And we've existed like a fraction of the time that Astralis has happened. We can catch Astralis here with some subs. Make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the channel so that uh, you can stay up to date with all that stuff. And
1: we'll uh, all yeah. you know, start and commenting on, uh, on on our growth here. It's And also, in the hierarchy of League of Legends shows, we are not the Astralis of shows. That's Hotline League. So it's embarrassing that <laughs> we're in last place. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah. let's catch on up here. Uh, All right. We just wanted to give a quick reminder that The Jungle is presented by Lost Ark. have it lost Ark your Odyssey begins in the link below join one of the biggest MMORPGs possible fixed cam top-down lots to do in it we talked about the classes at last time bunch of different quests skins just recently came out to continue to grow your cosmetics and a storyline that isn't too too bad so uh, make sure to hop on in to uh, your new Odyssey by clicking on the link below Uh LCS this week upsets kind of came on through in a week that looked r- like boring as hell speaking of tsm this was monty's game of the week cloud nine in tsm no, we were it all
1: it was Dobbs game of the week yep it, it, was was your, I thought it was your game of the week to like yeah <laughs> yeah you you actually called it congratulations <laughs> 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 galaxy brain the... that one
0: yep. <laughs> one of the games of the week here Specky tsm <laughs> beats cloud nine i i mean they win against cloud nine how much did cloud nine just continually opt into like garbage fights whatever but the result goes one zero cloud nine ending the longest winning streak here in the lcs for 2022 at nine games cloud nine lose tsm tsm break their like five game losing streak or whatever they were on at that point uh dumb how did this happen
2: uh well i i will say that i think this is probably the best game that tsm played all split like i think that they actually were playing pretty well i don't know if there's something you know they feel more relaxed in the environment you know playing from playing from home as opposed to on stage maybe it's like just a better experience than like showing up to get your ass kicked on stage um every week so i mean i definitely think that this was i mean obviously this was their best week it's their only two 0 week that they've had the entire uh time but I I think that in general I thought their draft was was fine it was definitely something they came out of with like a winnable draft uh for once which is not super common and I think that their early game plans actually went pretty well you know like they were trying to to move the rise like use the fact that rise can push the vegar early rise was hugging the rights the um the correct side of the lane which is actually the left side of the lane um and was able to push in the wave go top look for a dive like you know he got out fudges TP from that, which is already a huge win. Then he goes back mid and he has had pressure, um, at the points where he should have pressure. So I, I think that TSM played pretty well and it just looks like one of those trap games, um, in the schedule for C9 where, I mean, you saw TL do the, a similar thing by losing a flag quest, which is a team that's far beneath their actual skill level. It's just one of those things that, that, that will happen in in best of ones every now and then I wouldn't take away too much from it for C9. Like, I'm not going to say like, Oh, C9 looks fucking bad now because I like dropped a game. Um, I think TSM played like a middle of the pack team, like a, you know, like a middle tier team in in LCS. And, you know, based on how C9 played that game, they just weren't super comfortable. I mean, they also weren't playing things that they've played a lot of. They haven't played much Kai'Sa at all. They haven't played much Vagar at all, which are not picks that, I mean, when you're playing things that are different, you don't necessarily know, like, the specific ways that you're going to win the game. And, you know, they just lost some fights and lost the game, so... I think it, it was definitely a, a big win for TSM. I mean, even though they still can't make playoffs, like it was getting to the point where TSM was looking like a real circus. So in fact, they're able to get one really good for TSM. For Cloud9, it's obviously a bump in the road, but we kind of know who the top two teams are right now anyway. Like, it, I think it would be really shocking if TL and C9 don't finish top two um, yep. and get uh, advantageous brackets because of that. So you know it it shouldn't change too much in the overall landscape of LCS. Yeah, yeah, mathematically
0: not out. They they are not out. Both them and Immortals not out. Just just throwing that <laughs> out there. All right. Yeah, I just As wanted the, to know how they're the not out. The like team. I don't I don't understand
2: what the rules are where they can't be out because so this it, is something it's, that it's I... a
0: disgusting way tie like it it because uh currently evil geniuses okay. so if they, and eight with if golden they Guardian, win all
1: eight. their games if both of them win all their games because they don't have to play each other they could end the season 7 and 11 after the super week which means that technically technically dignitas evil geniuses golden guardians and clg could also all end up with a 7 and 11 mm-hmm. record and then it would depend on head-to-head matchups and then they'd probably yeah. have to play tiebreakers
2: so the the thing that that I, I guess it's shocking to me there is that so i believe let me let me just pull up the uh yeah everything just to make sure so uh tsm is indeed uh zero two to i believe dignitas eg and FlyQuest. so like how could they pass like i,
1: I don't understand how the tie break would work FlyQuest quest can can't like, actually hit 711 so it would just be dignitas and yeah, eg yeah. so exactly and clg could
0: and CLG they would so, need CLG to beat the other teams and TSM plays CLG and then CLG is there like I just, way I just in. don't
2: know how like yeah. so if they're tied with teams that have the head-to-head over them but there's like an extra team in the loop like how does that yeah, it How does that fair like changed. shouldn't it shouldn't it be like overall everyone's head-to-head together or something something that like gives you the advantage of actually winning versus the other teams that you're tied with like I don't know it seems really strange to me
1: they could have changed the tiebreaker rules to not be head-to-head as the primary tiebreaker this yeah, year. Yeah,
2: which is what I assume that they did, but, I mean, what else would they be using then? Because you can't use game score because it's only best game of ones, right?
1: Is usually, game time is usually the other time. Yeah, but are they actually going to use
2: game time over head-to-head?
1: <laughs> Seems really strange. I don't know. So, uh, I like, mean, Riot me, does like, a bunch like, of strange things with formats, man. I can't keep track of the number of illogical things that they've done over the years, so I don't know. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm diving in. I'm diving in now. So uh, while that's happening, Monte, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to clarify for those TSM fans still just holding on hope. uh, They can hold on for one (laughs) more
1: week. (laughs) Uh, Look, I I agree with Dom. I think this is a trap game. I think a lot of the players were just playing with their brains off, like watching blabber, just like face check dark, his own dark jungles and dying. And like, there were so many individual instances of these players just, not even mentally checking into this game that, well, I, I, I mean, I think TSM did have a good week and showed significantly more strength than they had in the past. And I'm happy that they went over to a lot of typical comfort picks that we've seen from these players, particularly Hooney on the Rumble has always been one of his signature picks. And I think that they've been learning over the last few weeks that playing around Hooney is one of their, if not only win condition. So I, I think they played Better, But also, I think C9 didn't really show up. And this doesn't really cause any concern for me in terms of how Cloud9 is going to be able to do in the playoffs.
0: Okay. Uh, and so I, when I was watching that game, it, it really felt like Cloud9 was just opting into really bad fights and was just yeah. trying to fight with hands there. like that, uh, both, I feel like both of you have given a lot of praise over to TSM, more, more so than what I would and I'm, it's more of like, what was Cloud9 doing in this one, though? Like, I remember just like being like, all right, we're going from like a 2v4 and someone died into another 2v4. It felt like a lot of I think well, that I can mentality. So
2: that's like, I mean, that's like, I mean, they, you you just lose the game if they get sold. So that's like why you see them fighting like that. Um, It's because they're like, oh, well, we have to do something. We have to make our stand here because if they get sold, they'll probably just win the game. So I think that was like the one that, that was like egregious in their own red side jungle. Um. But outside of that, I mean, I don't think their comp is specifically good. Normally with Kai'Sa, you want like something like TF generally uh, mid lane. You want something or you want an AD mid um, and their comp ends up being Volibear does a lot of magic damage. Veigar does magic damage and then Kai'Sa is going the AP build and they have a Nautilus as well, which is full magic damage. So they end up being really AP heavy. Also hyper procs from the NAR are magic damage dealing. Um, so I feel like their comp doesn't even like get that strong. And then with like the rise, like the rise can just pick up MR easily at any point, and he's pretty unkillable for their team. Um so I think that they just actually didn't have it like that great of a comp anyway. Like normally with Vagar, I prefer an 80 jungler, like
1: something you like that Viego in this, I think. I think Viego I mean, would be a very strong You could picker.
2: go Viego, you could go Zinn, I mean you could go uh Lee Sin. Like I just think that going the Volibear
1: as well is just kind of weird. Um, The the thing about Viego with this composition is that it... So there's a very kind of... T1 is playing very similar comps to this, except better as to what Dom is saying. And usually what, what T1 will do is they will have one kind of resetting carry champion, whether that's Jinx or whether that's Irelia or whether that's Viego. And so what you do is you want to utilize the Kaisa poke, right, that you get with her W... In the bot lane, it's usually three items. Faker has been able to get it at two items um, when he plays at mid. But in this case, like you have a way with Vagar. So you can chunk them out and then get one kill and then start getting resets, right? Or you can get a kill with Vagar and you can start actually pumping out resets with Viego. And so I think Viego would have been a significantly better pick in this composition if we're going to say that they want to play the way that T1 has been playing recently.
2: Yeah, I, th- I also think the Kai'Sa is just weird. I think we're seeing, like, really high priority on Kai'Sa for not too much reason right now in, in LCS. I mean, I think it's, like, strong, but I don't think you should be taking, like, Kai'Sa over Zeri. Or if you really want to be, like, taking Kai'Sa first pick overall anyway. Like, I don't think the champion is 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 that insane. So I, I assume that... I mean, I don't know why people are-, are viewing it like Jinx and Aphelios are just dead champions because they receive, like... It's not like Jinx was, like, fringe you know fringe viable it was something that was the best ad carry in the game period so i feel like there's this thing that happens in na specifically where like nerfs will come in and then people are like okay meta has shifted fuck all those champions that just got nerfed it's like wait they're still not that bad like it's right there it's they're literally just right that you can still pick jinx and you saw c9 do that in their second game it looked a lot better so i, I just want to see people not overreact so much just in the region overall and feel like you just need to first pick kaisa all of a sudden it's like yeah i mean kaisa is i guess technically a flex but you don't want to play it mid most matchups anyway so you're pretty much just picking kaisa ad and not only are you picking kaisa ad you're picking a kaisa that's going to go an ap build so it's going to like limit your options uh mid and top like it's not like a, a, a champion that allows more versatility um in your comps in general. So I'm just not really a fan of like the uh, priority on it. I think it's just way too high right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, a ton of Gnar this week. Uh, I, f-
1: I I think yeah. I think the Kaisa is good. I just think that they, the way that it was selected in this game with this composition is not the way the T1 is playing it, is my point. And it's not the kind of compositions that they've been running around the Kaisa mid and even when it has been mid they they lost the game to Sandbox they did throw it but they did big throw that game I think they should (laughs) have won that game Um, but there there has been a different kind of philosophy based around the Kaisa pick than the one that it would have been used for in this particular game also, it does take a long time if you player in bot to, to get to the itemization that you need in order to be super effective. And it requires you to like constantly hit your W, which is great if you're faker and maybe not so good if you're other players.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll continue to see the evolution of Kaisa in the meta and where they're, we're going with priority there. And, and if someone starts flexing it in the mid lane here for the LCS. Uh, Another team that kind of rifled off a couple wins and you don't have to stay on it too long. But I thought look impressive was Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians beats FlyQuest in a pretty critical playoff seating matchup there for them. And then they just just dumped Dignitas. Like Licorice dumped fake god. Everything that you said would happen with fake god, Tom, happened. Uh licorice was absolutely really good. obvious. He's in, he in needs pure.
2: like I don't understand how fake god still gets a pass from so many people. Like he had one, like, kind of okay split, like, where people were like, oh, he's maybe an MVP in spring in of, like, yeah. 2021. Yeah. Where, But it's, like, so obvious that he was just, like, not very good at the role. He was just, like, playing champions that are very hard to punish at that time. I mean, he was just playing, like, Nar and Renekton over and over again. And if he's ever in one of these skill matchups, I mean, you saw what, like, Licorice did to him, right? Like, Licorice completely booty blasted him, like, out of this fucking world. And then... The thing that I hated so much about it is the fact that he started building a hullbreaker once he was already completely like fucked <laughs> in the side lane. Then he starts building a health and, he, and he, it's literally just to save face. It's like not even—it's not even good. You, there's no way you could explain to me that this is a good item at all. He would
1: like, never win the one v one with Fiora.
2: Display. you're building health into somebody that's doing percentage like true damage on fucking vitals and shit. Like, what? What are we? What are we doing? Why? Why are we? Go- like, the only way that you're gonna win at that point is if you build so that you can team fight because like you cannot side lane anymore versus the Fiora effectively. So it's just this whole thing that, that he does where I mean, like he,
1: he ended the game with Gale Force Phage and a pickaxe, dude. Yeah, the he sold was <laughs> Depressing. It's so depressing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he didn't sell anything, he just literally Not couldn't I even finish yeah, the yeah. item. But I don't know. I mean, and then it's like it's so weird because I'm watching the games, right? You can go back to my VODs and I'm like, guys, he's playing aggressively with no ult, no ghost and no flash. Like he's just gonna die. Like Ligersh has flash, he's just gonna die again. And then he just dies 30 seconds later. It's like, dude. How do you not, Ligarch didn't even have to use flash. That's how dead he was, is that Ligarch did not even use his flash. And he still died in that that 1v1 the second time. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, it has to be obvious to him, right? Like, he has to know that himself in that situation. Being a professional top laner, like, bro, it, it, you cannot be dying like this over and over again. And I don't know. I mean, it just feels like the whole split, he's just been, just been terrible, to be honest. I think he's the, I think him and Jenkins are the worst two top laners in the league, but I think fake God is like specifically bad. Um, And yeah, I mean, the fact that he's getting clapped by Licorice, if you're going to rank Licorice right now, there's a top four. (laughs) There's Someday, there's Impact, there's Bwipo, and there's Summit, obviously, right? Like, those are your top four. Like, obviously not in that order. I'm just saying that those are the four best. And then you're probably going to say that, like, Hooney's probably had a better split than him. Hooney's been one of the best players on TSM. I mean, I would take, I mean, Licorice is clearly better than him. Revenge is clearly better than him. Kumo is clearly better than him. So that's everyone. He's literally just bottom two. And there's like almost no redeemable qualities. Like what does he do specifically well? <laughs> I actually yep. don't see anything. So I, I think it's super weird that they're even playing Trindamere. I feel like they should just be like, okay, you are bad. You are playing Nar or Gragas every game unless we get like a good Renekton angle or something. Like you were just playing these fun. champions, just try not to lose this, the game while Biofrost like tries to carry the whole game bot lane with with Neo. <laughs> like River, don't even bother investing time into top; it's just useless. It's wasted. You can have a two K gold it's not going to do anything. I don't know. For me, I'm just like I, I'm watching this whole split, and I'm just like, dude, this is it's not a rookie, right? It's a four year player. It's a player that came in one year after Licorice, and then we're we're, we're acting like he he needs time to develop. It's like into what, bro? Time to develop into an academy <laughs> player, or like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. It's actually so triggering to watch for me. Yeah,
0: Neo in that game against Golden Guardians was I think three and 0 They they were they were dumping the lane pretty hard, and he's just sitting mm-hmm. on the top, like looking at the map on the top side, probably catching it better than the uh replay observers for that game. Just being like, come on, bro, just let me let me carry this for uh, you. It's, me, it's, it's getting really this. bad.
1: It's getting really bad. Like. What confuses me is that NA teams are I mean, maybe it's just because of what they see in Korea and China, but like they're opting into this carry top meta with a bunch of like there is such a skill difference in top laners within the LCS as as Dom's pointing out that. You know, you kind of see, okay, Fake God gets dumpstered by Licorice. Licorice gets absolutely dumpstered by Summit. So how much better is Summit than than Fake God, right? That's a, si- a very, it's a simplification. Oh, but like, it. you can, can see the gap. <laughs> yeah, you can see the gap, right? And so I don't understand why teams that don't have competitive top laners are opting into top lane carry matchups. Like, you can't do that.
2: I mean, I think that it's just because like their mentality is like, there's no way that you are that bad at the game. Where like, if you play one of these really favorable matchups, like Jason Tanar, there's no way that you're gonna lose that, right? Like, you you would have to just be like, just completely on a different like tier of being than the person that you're you're playing against. But time. they are,
1: yeah. And then <laughs> not- it turns <laughs> out. That they are. I think that but that's like, the, no, no, but like, haven't we haven't we learned that at this point in the split? Like, th- that that information is readily available to anybody with eyeballs. Yeah, but it's like, it's one of
2: those things where I feel like they don't want to, like, write off their player that hard. They want to be like, we don't believe in you at all. Like, we actually just know you suck. Like, there's nothing that you can do to convince us otherwise. Like, you are just going to be playing Gnar for the rest of the split. It's hard.
1: It's tough.
0: That's tough for anyone to just accept. You know, everyone goes in there with such a big edge, and I think if you take that edge away, then they can't even well. play the Gnar.
1: I mean, Dignitas can't play Nar if they ban Nar, which they did in this game. So, I mean, I mean, the problem is
0: that, like,
2: I mean, yeah. So, so
1: that's one of the problems. But the other problem is that, like, imagine imagine being Dignitas and then banning Malphite and Nar in this scenario. Well,
2: I I think that that's the the problem is that they okay. So they ban so you ban Malphite right because you want to play the Trindamir But I think that. The issue that that they're they're running into is that NAR is like not actually a blind pickable champion because it has like a decent amount of counters, right? And you don't want to be playing it into somebody who's really proficient on something like a Lucian top or a Jace top. They're just gonna fucking clap you. Like it's just gonna be it's gonna be ugly up there. But they've tried that. That's literally what Fake God played it into Summit, and Summit just solo killed him twice. So it's like. Maybe we just have to like maybe we just have to ban Nar ourselves because like if they get Nar, it's OP, but if we get Nar, we're still gonna get shit on. It's really rough. Like I don't I don't <laughs> know what you do. I don't know what you do. I actually think it's just it's like unwinnable. I think that a player like Fake God is so outclassed by people like I mean, we saw what Bwipo did to him in Lock in. Completely humiliated him. That was just ugly. That was like the series where Bwipo was like carrying the team 1v9 while his whole team was shitting the bed. Uh, I think like, Bjergsen was sick. I don't know if he had COVID or something, but he was, like, really sick um, during during the uh, lock-in. And, like, okay, so then you have Summit on, on C9 as well. So it's like, if you have Fake God on your team versus either of these guys, don't you just automatically lose any series you get into because your top laner is so outclassed that even if you're on a different level strategically, aren't you just going to automatically lose the game
1: because he's on the team? I mean, team? I'm just shocked this team is, like, well, 7 and 8. But I think their strength, strength of schedule, strength, strength of
0: schedule, <laughs> strength of schedule. Uh, they said on the broadcast, and this is what I was going to bring up. They have for hundred thieves, top three,
1: Quest and, and c C9. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or it's TL C9 and hundred thieves. Yeah. They have literally so the games. top Ooh. three on
1: there. Okay.
0: Yeah. It, it. This was a kind of a must-win there for Dignitas, and it, it. I think it was the fastest series of the day. Like it, they. They, they were not game. in it. To to go to your point about like, can they like would they insta lose a series? This is the same team that beat Hundred Thieves in lock-in. Same, same roster, same makeup against the same Hundred Thieves team. In terms of players, meta different. But I mean, you'd imagine that they would have gotten better over time. So we'll see if Dignitas are gonna earn their way into
1: playoffs which it doesn't look like it. They have to win against the top three. What happens every year in LCS is that there are some teams that start out strong that hit their ceiling extremely quickly and then just never get better. That happens every single year. They're usually like two or three of these teams.
0: Uh, Dignitas this year, FlyQuest maybe, but FlyQuest did beat TL to oh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you
2: look at them, right, Both of you guys, like, both of you guys, come on. <laughs> I mean, no, there's no way that you can like give them, like how much credit can you give them for that? Like nice if, Tio Tio lost the game. They, they lost the game three v five pushing top with their support and jungler and base. Like what? It's like oh shit they're inting and then they just like go and they kill them and okay nice. <laughs> then you ended up outscaling, but and, I mean, and then Wippo
1: were... randomly dies as well later on. Oh. Like and and look, we know what gold bounties do at this point in time to this game, and it's like yeah. you really want to play the long game against Vagar and Tristana. You know that said. I did like some of the things that their composition had uh, after we, after we saw those games in the LPL with the kind of Trist Knot into Zeri, like it was fun to see that, that combo here mm-hmm. in LCS. It was, I think in terms of synergy, having the event horizon and being able to like Gragas cask or uh, knock, you know, use uh, Tristana ult to close. knock back uh, is a really cool way to like set up stuns. So like, I see the theory behind this comp, and, they were able to close out. Like I like the comp, but they never should have been in a position given how hard they were getting smacked around in the early game to be in this one. So it's another victory for, for bounties I think in this game, but also like we saw this with liquid too, where they kind of threw the game against cloud nine and they have some serious flaws. And it's as we've seen from games around the world, you can be at large deficits these days. And if you Play dumb, you can still lose these games, especially when you have very hard scaling champions, which kind of is the meta on the on the opposite team.
2: Yeah, when, I wouldn't take too much away from it though. Like it's still, okay. I mean, they're gonna win that game in, in playoffs like nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. Like
0: it's pretty unlikely that they well, I, they lose. I just thought it was interesting how hard they went when when TL got the first Baron, pushing into mid. Uh, they, you know, I feel like FlyQuest did a good job of just stalling the game out there. The Vagar event horizon multiple times, just kind of separating the fight and forcing Team Liquid to hold back from finishing the game. You know, getting a pick, playing aggressive, and and going with the you know just just uh, kind of cracking the game open. Well,
1: I think I think FlyQuest did play this composition out pretty well in team fights like they knew there there is a theory behind this comp and i think that they did a good job of playing with it but they should never have been able to do that based on the deficit that they had
0: got it i fished for my fly quest compliment that is all i wanted let's move on to the (laughs) longest losing streak in the game immortals now seven losses in a row we're on revenge watch this time revenge watch uh
1: not not as that I can't believe Immortals lost both of their games to TSM. Like, <laughs> especially in the way that the first one went, when they had that yeah. massive lead and Revenge was playing Camille and he just wouldn't press his advantage and, like, dive turrets and actually end the game. Um, and then to come up with this one was an absolute heartbreaker because that the fucking level one and the way they capitalized on that early advantage was Great. Right. Like it was really smart. They got the ward in onto the red buff early so that they made very smart decisions about how to snowball the advantage that they had in that game. They made Speaker's Life hell. Uh I think there's there's a lot to unpack here. I I wonder how Arrow was behind like 40 CS. Because we never I I I rewatched the early game this morning and like I literally don't know what was happening because the camera never goes there. So like I didn't see how he was down 30 to 40 cs at like 12 minutes into the game yeah he was down like 60 cs and
0: in that game tsm like set like four people top they invested a ton of resources away you're like okay cool like arrow can control the wave and even if they fuck it up both him and destiny can bounce it off the tower and reset it but he was down at one point 60 cs when they started grouping up like i don't know what like 200 he was at like 130 it was. I, mean, it I was, don't even uh, care
2: about him being down CS. Like to me, like it's like yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. He's he's down more CS than he should be. He should probably not be like super high in CS anyway. Um, just in that matchup, I wouldn't think by himself. But like the thing that was so disgusting to me is like Poe. You really can't carry this game First, yeah. like a shit. Because Poe used to be the type of guy where it's like, you know, he's just gonna kind of sit back and farm in the lane phase. But once he gets his items, like he's gonna fucking take over team fights. He is going to carry games, like 1v9 with his control mages, with his Azir, with his Oriana. These were his champions. This is what he was really good at, his Syndra. Like, he had a, sure. a bunch of mages that were all pickable, and he could play enough of them at a high enough level where... It should be his pop- meta! Yeah, it should Straight be his up. meta. And Cor- it, it's Corky Larson's his meta, like,
1: he, yeah. he is, he's basically, like, you know, well, North, I mean, they're both European, but if you had to make a one-to-one comparison, and Larson's fucking crushing it.
2: Yeah, I mean... I think for me the the issue with Poe is like he just plays team fights bad now. Like he doesn't have the team fight vision that he had before. He's so scared. Well, I mean it just it's it's weird because the thing is he. So I like the the stone plate. I yeah, I like, don't think that's a problem. I think the stone plate was actually good because the thing is you don't really want Azanya's on Cassio because you want to be outputting consistent damage. You want to just be like I am tanking you and I'm like out healing and I'm too tanky for you to kill, um, because I have the resistances. So he was in a really good spot to carry this game and then you look in the in the team fight and it's like he countered himself he's like i'm buying a stopwatch and i'm gonna stopwatch myself in the team fight so i can't do damage it's like somebody else is controlling him it's like i saw him stopwatch in this fight i'm like did the enemy team just like spawn a bard or something like how was he in
1: his it's worse too because spika jarvin ulted him and then spika's back was to him and he he ulted and like one person spika but it it didn't land because he was facing the opposite direction, and yeah, then he I mean, just zoned him for the to. whole fucking fight.
2: I mean, it just seems so weird to me. Like, I, I, I
1: can understand
2: like that. So the the standard build right now is Everfrost into Seraphs into into Stoneplate. This is just like what Cassio players are building. This is what the rank one Cassio in Korea builds or whatever. Um, which I can I can fuck with. Like all of that makes sense, you know. But to me, it just what he did afterwards just didn't make any sense. It's like it looked like he was playing. Like he was. The whole purpose
1: of that build, yeah, exactly. The whole purpose of that build is to stand there with your dick in your hand, you know, in a team fight and slap them with it, right? Like that's what that's what you want to do is actually just absorb damage. So you don't need to be aggressive with Zonia usage. So I mean, it's not even aggressive. It's like or just use it at all. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and to be fair, it was just a stopwatch. It wasn't a zonia's, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: but he was going, he was going Zonia's because yeah, I mean, he he was, he was going to probably end up building his own in that situation, but it was so weird because it's like, damn bro. Like this is your thing. You're supposed to be the team fight guy, but you're not good at team fights anymore. So what's the
1: value you're providing? No, I think that there's just some, something has happened within this team where like power of evil, just for whatever reason, feels at a very fundamental level that he can't, like, trust his teammates to, to protect him or to do anything. And so it's causing all of them to play, like, super weirdly. You know, Destiny has had so many kind of failed engages where he will over-pursue, and the rest of the team, like, once he uses a Nautilus ult, instead of just letting it go because it's not going to work, they'll, like, over-pursue into the enemy jungle and then all die. Uh, it's I think it's really hard because this team is just doesn't trust each other at all and is functioning totally improperly for whatever reason. And it's depressing because obviously this team should be significantly better than it is. And I think that most of the players on this team have had individually good moments and you love to see that early game. That early game, I think, was played out quite well by them. And then they're unable to like capitalize any kind of advantage whatsoever. And they just throw in the most egregious ways. It's
2: yeah, I don't know. It's really
1: I mean, depressing to watch.
2: Speak of literally solo lost his team in the game versus any competent team. Like if your jungler plays like that, if your jungler does all that, like he didn't even flash at an angle on the level one. And then he just like does yeah. a path where he's just going to his buff without like, you know, you have to expect to there's himself. a ward
1: there too.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, he like, dude, I was thinking about it when I was watching the game. I'm like, how did it ra- how did takeover stay in that game without rage quitting? Like, how did he not rage quit that game? If, imagine imagine you're playing rise, right? You get counterpicked with Casio. Your jungler gives him two kills before three minutes. And when you get to the lane, the motherfucker started with a tear. It's a Casio yeah. with a tear, which means he <laughs> can actually because the normal thing about Cassio is you run out of mana, so you can't actually all in somebody. But he's literally in all in range from fucking minute like minute 1 and then, and then he gets another kill at 8 minutes he comes lane with a fucking everfrost like no like you should be legally allowed to rage quit if you're in this situation <laughs> if you're grief this hard by your jungler like this is this is crazy levels of griefing like this is super reportable you know like this is this is to the point where if he did this on vagar V2's team there would be a fucking twitter clip with Bangarang playing complaining about him being targeted by everyone on the EU server like this is what would occur So I don't know. Like, it's just it's this was a hard game to watch. This is really tough. It's
1: just like if you can, if you combine this with the last game between these two teams and I'm just afraid Immortals is just broken beyond belief because they lost embarrassingly after having significant advantages in two very different ways. And like, I just don't see how you put the pieces back together. This this team has to be. has to be chopped up at this point in time. They need need some, like, it just feels like they, the players themselves have no way to get themselves out of this headspace, and they're not going to be capable of making mid to late game decisions. So you just have to break it up and hope that there's some sort of honeymoon period, even if some of the individual pieces are actually worse. But like, didn't they just
2: try that by bringing Arrow into the team? Wasn't that like their move that they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, we, we got wild turtle out of there. Now we have a different player. Like, Where's the honeymoon phase? It's like, oh shit, we just still suck.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's and...
2: look, I've never seen a team get carried so hard seemingly by a coach as Immortals. Like, think about what they did with their roster. Like their roster is literally the same pieces, but they were supposed to have just upgrades. Like, people would argue that arrow is an upgrade to raise and the PoE is an upgrade to insanity. Yep. But yep. they're just like so much worse.
1: In a PoE meta. In a PoE meta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh not a lot of options here for uh immortals as well right you've got joey at support maybe you've got the young chad chad jungle that's literally his name not describing someone <laughs> chad jungle uh you're probably not moving revenge then you got pretty from uh greece pretty greece uh behind him uh in mid lane behind uh power of evil so and you can go back to wild turtle who's played two games of zary I mean, dardoch can
1: play, play. Dardock
0: could play. Dardock is the coach. <laughs>
2: Dardock probably, probably. Dardock would probably join and be the best player on the
1: team <laughs> right now. Yeah, that's, that's not. That's not actually an exaggeration. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really hard. too. So been, I, I, well. I, do know. I do know from talking to Revenge on somebody inside a couple weeks ago that, um, it seemed like the off was super chaotic because they lost their GM and they lost Kyoto their coach. Wait, did they uh, lose pretty...
2: their GM? Wait, who was their GM? I thought it was Nick Fan. No no,
1: oh, no, 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 that's no, 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 that's FlyQuest. It's um, Mike Schwartz. Uh,
0: Mike Schwartz. He he'd yeah. been with the organization for like four or five years. It was stability. Nick was Fan on Immortals. Years. No, he's
1: FlyQuest. Yes, he was. He, he was in Immortals. Oh, was. before. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, he, he was.
0: was yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bro, okay. a, few a few years ago, he,
1: was. he should be. The but anyway, anyway,
2: same. fucking I know, I
1: know, Nick fan I know Mike Schwartz. Like, you know, they they lost Mike. You know, pretty pretty early on in the off season and they, they also lost Kyoto, and it was pretty sudden. And these were the people that were kind of like deciding on the roster. So I, it, revenge made it sound like they had to scramble pretty hard to get a staff together. So I'm not sure if they were fully successful on that front. We'll yeah. see if they make coaching changes.
0: Well, again, uh, still life there for the invert coached squad. Uh, they are four and eleven. Can also do the same three-way tiebreaker thing as TSM. Uh, their games uh, a little bit easier than Dignitas's. It's uh, there's no way
1: there's no way that this Immortal rostered on paper should not be a playoff team in the fucking LCS. Like this is this is disastrous for them. They've thrown so many games at this point in time that they should have won. They've had substantial early advantages. They played a lot of winnable games. This should be a seven or eight or eight and seven team.
0: Yeah, they, they should be in the same spot that, like, uh, yeah, I guess...
1: Dignitas they shouldn't be worse than Dignitas, right Dignitas okay? <laughs> River is that
0: good. It's the River diff. Uh All right. I think that's all that we have here for the LCS from the matches that just happened. We dove into some of the biggest upsets. You know, I guess we could touch on 100 Thieves hitting five wins. Like, how about oh, a, a quick shout-out for the banger that kicked off Sunday, EG, 100 Thieves... Uh, Abadage going in with the Destiny gate into switching into smite out smiting inspired keeping the game alive extending that game a lot uh, Dom Domda, any thoughts on that one before we move on from LCS
2: uh, I mean 100 Thieves should have won a lot easier than they did with the advantage they had and I mean like so on one hand this is probably one of the first games that 100 Thieves has won versus like a decent opponent while not playing complete hard engage 5v5 like run at you style comps or like i guess i should say 4v4 because sometimes they play it with like a split pushing top lane or like trend but essentially the trend just wins lane and it comes to the team fights so they can actually just 5v5 all the time so they yeah. actually won a game without who he on like leona nautilus or some type of engage or set um and they played with him on uh the Tom Kench here, which I thought was pretty good, but just the way they closed that out was so strange. They had elder and Baron and three and Hibs. And they were like, let's wait for the next elder. (laughs) They they didn't actually just (laughs) want to end the game. They're scared
1: of their own throws.
2: (laughs) I I feel like that's really weird. It's really hard for me to, I don't know. It's really hard for me to, to, to see them play like that and then feel really good about them because they did BDG, which is good. I think EG like didn't play terribly either. Um, but it just seems like so not clean. Like, I, I don't know why they can't end the game when they have such leads. Like, it seems like it should have just been over in like 35, like after that one EG th- throw, should have been over. And then somehow they waited until EG threw into them at like 55 minutes, which honestly wasn't even a good fight for them, by the way. Like the fight that they won the game on, is exactly how they don't want to play the situation out a 5v5 mid versus the oriana like they they were they should be able to use their split push pressure right they have the they have the the hole breaker graves that's been been able to to push a top lane um they have the tf like they should be the ones that are spreading the map and taking advantages uh, taking fights on their own terms but they actually just like got into a 5v5 that they won because jojo just didn't use his flash and that's Jojo how they also the game? played
1: team fights very badly throughout this entire game, which is, yeah. I, I think, a recurring Jojo issue. Where his his lane phase is one thing, but he's still learning how to position and and use abilities properly in team fights at the professional level. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they should be
2: able more. to to win that. Like, I feel like that that should be a a quick game once they get the lead. Like a a good team closes that out. Pretty quickly, with that advantage. I mean, 100
1: Thieves, if, if they somehow win this, is going to get absolutely mauled on the international stage. Like, this is not a team that is going to be able to compete with teams that have actual macro.
0: Well, uh, they, they threw out the graphic on the broadcast. It was 100 Thieves. They continue the gatekeeping of Evil Geniuses who only have beaten bottom teams. Evil Geniuses have not hit the top three, and they won't, because I don't think they play them for the rest of the split, so... We'll see what EG is able to do and if 100 Thieves can continue the streak as they play uh, tougher opposition. But I I, I liked highlighting the fact that they did play a different comp than just dive at you. Uh, They do have a match against Cloud9. That's the last top team. 100 Thieves will play. They play TSM and Dignitas. All right. Uh, With that, LCS done and dusted. Let's move on to the LCK. Um, With the LCK, T1. They complete their perfect season here, Monty. 18 regular season wins in a row. An undefeated perfect season. Uh, They smashed the record last week or two weeks ago and then finished the fight here at 18 and 0. A strong possibility for them to go down as one of the best seasons, or yeah, the best teams in uh, LCK. What do you think here, Monty?
1: It's not even T1's most impressive win streak.
0: Let's continue. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, i mean they won an entire tournament in uh uh, ogn winter ogn champions winter 2013 2014 without even dropping a single game winning 15 games in a row including three best of fives in the playoffs so i would say that's more impressive personally uh you know you can always bounce back in a best of three to do it in a best of one scenario well, they never were playing best of ones. They were playing best of twos, and, or best of threes, and best of fives. But they didn't drop any game whatsoever, and they were able to continue that streak through to the grand finals. Now, if they do that in the playoffs, don't drop any games in a best of five, that would that would be equal, I think. Probably better, actually. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's very impressive. I just don't even think it's T one's best accomplishment or fakers i'm annoyed
0: because you took you took part of my <laughs> fact of the week of dude, course you, right? dude i
1: would have crushed you on that i fucking casted that event like i know i every game in that tournament but i also <laughs> knew
0: you were gonna do that so frequently i was like frantically looking for another another fact so i have one ready uh dom i want you to comment though on the uh the t1 win streak and finishing out this regular season here
2: yeah, I mean, it's definitely an impressive win streak. I think that the thing that people will always bring up in regards to this win streak is that their, like, best competition, which is G, they didn't get to play. I mean, yep. they didn't really play either time. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone's like, oh, shit, like, without Chovi, G is still the same. Like, that—that that is their piece. <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously he played in the first series, but I think, was that the role I mean, even actually? against other
1: playoff teams, they fucking had yeah. to smash Reddit Brion's, Breon's, you know, challenger team. And not like oh. their main roster would have won necessarily, but their main roster did beat One Kia 2-0 this last week. So not impossible, you would say. Not likely, but not impossible. There's just so many asterisks to this, given the the number of players that have been out. The fact that T1 never has had a player out, right? It's It's, it's a little bit it's a little bit sus yeah
2: but i mean it's it's really impressive i think i I think what we have to see is how they um you know look in the playoffs obviously but then assuming that they win lck which i think everyone is viewing as a foregone conclusion at this point (laughs) how they do it how they do it msi because i mean you got to remember dom one was super super dominant um last spring they were 16 and 2 and that's with i think most rosters being relatively healthy i don't remember like i mean i know we're obviously in covid but i don't think that it was uh, I think it was pretty much remote at that point and people were yep. not, like, missing full rosters and things like that. Yep. Um, and, you know, Dom1 looked really good in, in the playoff portion. I don't, did they drop a game? I think Dom1 might have, like, not dropped a game or done really, really well in the playoffs going to MSI. And, you know, they didn't have the the best performance there. They actually ended up losing to uh, to RNG. So I think we have to just see how T1, T1 looks in playoffs and then how they look at, at MSI when, you know, things are... Yeah, there were 3-0 uh, against Sanhua
1: and then 3-0 against Gen G in the playoffs. Yeah, so those they were
2: 6-0 in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. They're 16 and 2, and then they swept playoffs both times. So yeah. we have to yep. see. I think T1 does some things that I think are a little weird. Like some of their game one drafts, uh, I'm just not the biggest fan of. Um, like the one versus sandbox, for example, I was just like, uh, just, I'm not really like a fan of this. And I feel like they crutch on sp- specific picks. So I wonder how they'll play when those are taken away from them. Like one of them being like owners lease in. um, for example, Jace it feels like when well. they ever, yeah, whenever they really need a game, it's like a Jace a lease in, you know, they have their, their go-tos, which is good to have. But
1: I mean, I think they, T, T1 has played, uh, 14, 15 games of Jace, And then the next most picked top laner is six for NAR. So, I mean, it's a pretty big difference between Jace and their other picks. Um, similarly for owner, it's 13 of Lee, 11 of Xin And the next one is Viego with six. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they definitely have pretty strong priorities and tendencies, obviously jinx of Filios as well for Gumi Yoshi's played 25 games on those champs. Um, the next one is Caitlin with five, right. And then it drops to like three and then some one-offs on the other ones. Uh, Interestingly, Gamusi hasn't played Kai'Sa, so they haven't been opting into the bot lane Kai'Sa. They've been they've been playing it in the mid lane instead. Um uh, but I I do think that there is a there's a pretty similar trend here with T1 compositions, which is one one guy plays the poke champ, one guy plays, you know, the reset champ. Um, and they they go for picks basically. And if if there's a team fight, they poke you first, and then they try and get Jinx resets on you to clean up the fight. Um, they they sometimes do it in weird ways, like we saw them play the Vex for for poke or the Varus even for poke in the bot lane, even though you know Varus got some buffs in the in the latest patch. Um, but they they will kind of move around who's playing the poke, whether it's like Jace or LeBlanc or you know uh, uh, the Varus, like, and then they'll play aurelia for resets so they'll play viego for resets uh, or they will play jinx for resets like there is a there is a structure to the way they play the game and even though different people might be playing different aspects of these comps they do share a lot of commonalities
0: basically dump the damage and then let snowball the fight with someone that can. i mean kind they of have a formula that. they have
1: a formula their formula is go to objective poke you off it and if you engage, then they kill the poked person and then start getting resets. Uh, or they play, they go into a side lane, do some insane long range engage on you um, and punish a, you know, an overextension. And then they go to an objective. And it's worked. It's worked well. And they're very good at it, but <laughs> they're very good at it. But this is a meta that exists right now. And the question is going to be, does this meta exist in two months when MSI takes place? Right? Because right. That's not going to happen till May. Uh, so there's a, there could be a lot of changes to the game before that point in time. And we're not exactly sure because of their emphasis on very specific picks that they have had high levels of preference toward how good they would be in a different meta necessarily. Yeah, right? and I also want to and...
2: see how they play against another strong team that also has a strong top laner because it feels like <laughs> <Sure>. in... <laughs> In LCK, one of the issues is that like the, the teams that they should be competing with, which would be like Domwon and Genji, I would argue that on both of those teams, their worst player is their top laner uh, yep. in ber- both circumstances. So I uh, mean, somebody should
1: be somebody should be backing up the Brinks truck to Noguri, whether you're Genji or Domwon Domwon Yeah, maybe even DRX, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, during, you know, before summer starts, because somebody needs Noguri to be competitive, I think yeah
2: and uh i mean i just like just to finish my point i just feel like you know the the person that could actually contest more of uh zeus in lane would be keen but then keen is obviously in his same hell that he's been on the Afrika kwandong i don't even know what their their name is the freak the freaky hell bro he's in freaking hell for
1: for the last like five years so and some have bounced, even though it. he should be on a top Korean roster. We really wish that guy was on uh, Genji right now. Gotta say, gotta say, really wish that guy was think, on Genji. Do you think they would have taken him
2: over over somebody like Birdal?
1: I mean, apparently not. I assume they had the opportunity <laughs> to do it and didn't do it. Yeah. So, well,
2: I mean, I, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if they had the opportunity well, to do it. But
1: my I, I, my question look, would be: like, I think I think Genji wanted Doran because Doran is extremely stable. Mm -hmm. But he's a basic bitch top laner. And I've never liked watching this guy play because I think his upside is extremely limited. And I think what Genji wanted was they wanted to play through mid and bot with this roster and they wanted a a weak side top laner. And we happened to be in a meta and you you can't predict like the TP changes and all this shit that happened, right? So turns out top lane carries are very strong right now and you have Doran on your roster, which is why it's time to go... Pick yourself up a nice, shiny nuggery who's sitting waiting for somebody to give him a contract.
2: Well, so I was talking more about the uh the Dom uh birdall for nuggery trade. Like because I feel like so Genji obviously had had Birdall before and they were just like they always hyped him up a lot. And it seems like everyone thinks that this guy is super talented and he's really young, which is obviously a huge benefit in Korea. It's like, oh shit, he's 17. I mean, I think he might be 18 now. Um, but it's like between between uh, Birdall and Doran, it's like these guys are just not at the top tier of, of LCK top liners. But I would be um, interested to see if like, for example, for dom they would have actually preferred somebody like Summit over somebody like Birdall. Because I mean, I wonder how much they factor in the the youth into you know their situation. And I assume that part of what was going on with dom is you know maybe overvaluing how much they could like bring somebody up to speed that like looked mechanically good but like might not be all the way there in terms of like the mindset that you required to be on like a, a top tier team so i was i was just wondering like yeah i, I was just wondering if you think that someone actually would have been offered the
1: the genji or the domon spot here's what i think i think that Damwon was trying to get Nogari. Nogari decided to take a break. By the time that he made that decision, Summit had signed to C9 and Birdall was the consolation prize. That's my theory.
0: That's a exciting theory. I got to ask Summit this in <laughs> uh, one of the post game interviews. <laughs> and I remember just being like, I wonder if he's going to answer this. But in, in the interview, uh, he basically said, I went on a vacation five years ago to America and it was pleasant. And then. I think I can be, I I wondered if I could be a great player in North America and and still have that kind of a feeling, that feeling of how pleasant it was. Uh, The translation was there. I ran it like I ran it by multiple translators to be like, Hey, let's, (laughs) let's get this right and make sure we understand what this is. It's on my YouTube channel. Just go look at the interview I had with summit. Uh, But basically, and I said, did you, why didn't you want to play in LEC or LCK? He's like, well, I had options. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) God, that's... Okay, I won't press you on this anymore after that. So, uh, But this brings up a good point, specifically this summit conversation, because like I said, every time we have a show, read the comments, go through it, there's a lot of people that say you're rewriting history in this, Monty, that summit wasn't even that good last year until the final like spurt there at the end that summit was on on team's radars and so this is kind of like our general it's not just one person here but the comment of the week from last episode where it's like was summit actually that good in the lck last split or did he have ups and downs and highs and just ended up over at cloud nine because of this whole korean project that cloud nine was putting together Uh so it was on fucking
1: live sandbox, guys. You could only look so good.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm trying to find the specific one here just because I was like, I don't know, man. Like Summit Summit is just by far the MVP of the LCS, which is kind of an indictment on the LCS. But also, I wanted to verify that he was good because I do I, I was not up on the LCK uh, uh, information from last year. So to me, it, it was, you know, people pushing back here. I just wanted to get an answer on that. That and everyone being like, uh, no, rookie's not the greatest of all time. Pe- people people are siding with Faker on this one pretty pretty. Well, I hard. mean,
2: that wasn't even what we said, though. What? Yeah. Like that, I feel like that's just like a very, like, I don't understand how that even becomes like the thing because it's like, we said, is there a world where Rookie could potentially ever become the GOAT over Faker? Which is like talking in a futuristic sense. And what we and what I said was right now I think rookie is playing better than Faker. Right yeah. now. Like, here here he's not it is. saying that he's the greatest of all time which is just all like,
0: time question mark faker easily. And it's not close yes. right now yes. though. Tough question. Cause they're both playing extremely well. Like, which is literally what we yeah.
2: fucking answer. It's like, dude, are people <laughs> just looking at the title and not watching the show? Yes. And it, yes, like, I assume that's what that that's doing. just what, what's happening. Okay. Well then that's why would good. you go? Why would you even type a comment?
1: Like wh- why do you even type a comment in that situation? This is, this is, this is why social media is evil. Dom. Ah, <laughs>
0: yeah. here, here. I found it. <laughs> I found our specific comment here. Uh, Monty. Monty extremely delusional about Summit. Summit's a good player, but he's not better than Doran, Keen, Zeus, and Kana. He's not even better than Rascal based on this split alone. Every LCK can Rascal will tell has you the been surprisingly play. good.
1: All right. All right. I will say Rascal, Rascal has done better than I expected. But has Kana uh, been that good this split? Like I feel like Kana no. has been like, like
2: <laughs> whatever. Every time I watch Kana, I'm like, the Kana
1: one's weird. <laughs> so I like Nong
2: Shim. I like Nong Shim for this reason. Nong Shim is a collection of players that I've flamed, and people have said that I understand rated in go like people were telling me Ghost was the best AD carry in the world they're like no he is precisely <laughs> what Dom Juan needs and the reason that he plays kind of bad sometimes is because Dom Juan wants a kind of bad bot laner it's like what the <laughs> fuck like don't you think that like sometimes he should just play better like is it, like is it, <laughs> Don't you think that the fact he's playing Jin all the time is because when he, they tried to play the other things, like they played the Draven and the MF at World, it just didn't work out. So then they went back to the Jin, and then when people took away the Jin, then he lost. <laughs> like, isn't that, isn't that what fucking happened? But anyways, anyways, I digress. Jong <laughs> Shim yeah. is a collection of players that I have ah. all flamed, right? So you have Kana on that team, right? You've Kana. I've 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 flamed him. BDD was somebody that I that. Honestly, had a good last Worlds, but he's somebody who I've never been hyped over. I just always hated that G team he, he previously. He vastly
1: overperformed at Worlds, by the way. That was a surprise to everybody.
2: I mean, uh, like, look, I watched finals. Like, I watched, or, I mean, uh, finals of spring, and then I watched him play uh, in, in playoffs of summer, because they obviously didn't make finals. But um, when I was watching him, he just still looks the same. Like, he, that G team, I would always say they were just the fucking soulless team. That was the way that I... Like, they just felt like they were never going to win. Like, that team was never going to win. So I always valued BDD low. I thought Kana was overrated, and I thought that Ghost was massively overrated. I thought Ghost was, like, so fucking overrated um, when he was with One. And now I just get to see them on Nong Chim, and it's like, all right, so all these guys are people that you've told me are, like, top two in their role. So why are they losing? And people are like, oh, it's because they had, like, they got fucked by COVID, like okay, so then like so so they get the excuse, but other teams that got fucked by COVID don't get the excuse for some reason because you like those players and you don't really give a fuck about bros players. Okay, now got it, perfect.
0: Yeah, that's the other big news from the LCK. Uh, I mean,
1: look, Brett- look, uh, to the summit point. Summit was the top player on his team in terms of season MVP from last year. He was third All Pro, top laner behind Khan and Keen. So, like, why are we pretending that he was bad last year, last summer? I don't I don't understand. Like, he he certainly was one of the standout players on his team. And I I, I never said he was the best top laner in the LCK, but it was also a very different meta. You have to remember that Khan was basically just a scion one trick last summer. <laughs> yeah. He literally played scion like 15 games. Uh, and they would just put him on Scion all the time, so it wasn't it wasn't a thrilling top lane meta to be part of. Certainly not anywhere near as interesting as it is right now. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty good, guys. I don't know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> keep sending us your uh, bad takes on uh, in the comments. We'll, we'll keep uh, bringing them up every now. Oh and yeah, wait. And then so summer
2: world. summer was when when Scion was nerfed. So that's when he started playing like more of like the Jason. Oh, sorry, Even, Spring like,
1: was when, that's right. Sorry, yeah. Spring was when he played Scion because he came into MSI and nobody knew if he could play anything but Scion. That's right. Sorry, yeah. that was my mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, still, I mean, the
2: the point stands was that like, if you look at like the teams that went to Worlds, right? You had Morgan on 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 one of the teams, and then like Rascal slash Doran on on another one of the teams. So like, yeah, it it wasn't like they had the the most impressive or sorry uh uh birdall and and uh rascal on on gen g i don't know why i said it, Doran. um but yeah i mean like if you look at those two players like you you would slot in normally summit and keen like at least like at worst where would you have summit fourth like that's like saying so key if you say keen is better you say Kana is better you say khan is better like
1: then he's fourth so i mean it is what it is if Kana was Thank- so great maybe t1 should have kept him like i don't know thank you for uh these great comments
0: (laughs) keep them coming in our video uh for for next week as well uh this leads me to my uh dagon's fact of the week sponsored by nobody skt t1 was the previous owner of the longest winning streak with 14 wins at uh summer 15 uh they also had the immortal run, as you were talking about in winter 2014, where they won
1: uh, 15 games in a row. They went uh, was and that it was 16? coming off of the world championship win. So yeah, to be clear, they games. won they won in to, in October of 2013, and then they came back to Korea, and then that season started in like November, December of 2013, ran into January, February of 2014, and yep. then they won that. Their win it was even more impressive because that year of 2014 was probably the most competitive region in League of Legends history because it was before any of the Korean players left Korea. And it was yep. an absolute fucking banger year where like all the games were absolutely mind blowing. So it was even more impressive that they were able to do that. And they beat uh, Samsung Ozone in the final of that in the grand that was the final Riven 3-0. three zero. That's the Riven mid in game one. Was that the... No, oh, that was no. versus Nag that was versus Nagne and KT. Okay. No, uh, wasn't, but, didn't he
0: I I thought it
2: was
1: versus uh, Grok. okay, maybe not. Um, but anyway, they 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 played against uh the they beat the team 3-0 that would eventually win the world championship in 2014. Is my
0: point. Uh yes, that is the other, I guess, SK team. Then obviously we have our new longest series win streak here, T1 uh in 2022 so my question is in the lck what are the next longest winning streaks so they were in one of the
1: rocks tigers teams right uh
0: no that is incorrect that is incorrect Koo tigers uh i guess it was ge tigers and rocks tigers were 2015 and 2016 spring at 11 wins but Mm -hmm. there are two teams at 12 wins
2: Wait, this was the Riven game. Riven game one, SKT. Or are we talking about the same one? SKTK versus Samsung Ozone in the finals. Riven yep. mid versus Gragas. Didn't he? Oh, there you him? go. Yeah. Yeah. And then so
1: I, I was thinking about the Cassiopeia level... Riven mid that happened versus not. No, there have been ta- was... several. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was talking about like.
2: Yeah, I, I was talking about the Riven mid where he just like. Flash didn't he, like dumpster. He, flash didn't he dumpster him like level two or something? Like he like just solo killed level two. That shit was fucking
1: insane.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that one. That that those those are the games that. that got That was when Dade was still
1: it. on, um, or we, uh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Before yeah, the yeah. switch, before the swap of yeah. uh, uh, Pawn and Dade.
1: Yeah, Before the the Pawn and Dade.
0: Uh Yeah. So the question is, what is the second longest? I guess what is the longest win streak other than? SKT or T1 win streak. So you have the summer 15, 14 game win streak, the current, or I guess their current win streak at 18. But then there are two teams tied for 12 wins. They're not the Rocks Tigers ones. They were 11 wins. So uh, two teams at 12. And Must they're be, not.
1: Was it CJ Blaze in 20? Was it CJ Blaze, right? 2013. It is not. It's not CJ guess.
2: I would guess Domwon in 2020
0: uh close it was down line in 2020 was 10 games but it's actually damn one kia last split had 12 wins in a row okay. and then there's one more team uh one more team I'll give you one more guess griffin that's right griffin 2019 12 wins in a row as well so those were the other Teams that you had to like kind of get over before this T1 squad hit perfection 18 wins. Uh, there it was just something interesting to take a peek at here. It was uh Griffin and Damwon Kia at 12 wins, the Rocks Tigers runs in 15 and 16 at 11 wins, Damwon 2020 at 10 wins, and then uh King Zone uh at nine wins in 2018. Those were some of the longest winning streaks in the LCK. Uh, speaking of Damwon Kia. They lost to the bros. Bro, uh uh Bryan, Reddit Bryan come on in and two o 0 Damwon Kia to earn their berth into the LCK playoffs. Uh you got yourself a great gift now of Umti just pointing to the back of his shirt like he's a like a football player after they win the series two. 0 uh he deserved it. Played hey. crazy. In, no, uh, I
1: was England. I was right. There was a twelve game win streak for Rocks CJ back. Blaze in 2013 spring. Oh, okay. Elsie Cat. Yeah. I was you right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to continue to do my research. This is why it's not
0: sponsored by anyone. Uh, I now realize why I was wrong. They won was...
1: three. So they they won. They split 1-1 with KTA, KT Arrows or KTA at the time in week two, and then they won three best of threes and then two best of fives without dropping a game, which is why they were the heavy favorites going into the finals versus uh, MVP Ozone, because that was when Flame was at the peak of his powers. So it was very surprising that MVP Ozone 3-0'd them, like blanked them in the finals. It was a really shocking final. I want to apologize. My bad. Well, i, think, I, forgot, I forgot how many games in a row they won so thank <laughs> you for
2: me. it it might also be that you're like searching lck and that's back when it was like champions korea so it might not come back yeah, when it was those. good you know yeah not, yeah. Not yeah and then also yeah, like yeah, games yeah. of legends doesn't even track that far back so if you're using that yeah you can't nope <laughs> nope i wasn't using any of
0: those I, I tried i try to verify i was going through league peter just banging it through but i didn't get all the way back to 2013 it's
1: just stupid shit that I, only I would remember, probably. So. Yeah, but that's what's fun. That's why it's fun. Uh, all right, uh, good old Fred O'Brien, make it
0: on through. You guys watch that series on uh, with with uh, Fred O'Brien, like with the tournament lives on the line. Umpty kind of just popped off yeah, lava, making was great. It was, great. His it kicks, was fun. Man. It was it's a excellent. lot of fun. It was a lot of kick and showmaker like into <laughs> multiple members and making canyon. Like Kenyon was on
1: Heckram, like I think it was like late game Heckeram, and just and he had a hundred percent win rate, I believe, on Heckram coming into this game too, so it was uh it was more impressive um yeah yeah i i i, I enjoyed this series, I think umty really like bailed them out in a lot of situations where it was looking pretty bad in some of these team fights, and then he would punish them with like a two to four person kick uh on the lease in. Yep. I don't think really. Reddit Brian's gonna do super great in the playoffs, but I think for now, like I think you know, you take away some of the 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 kind of key picks like the Lee Sin, and if they don't have that playmaking ability, I, I do wonder where they're going to go. But it was a it was definitely a fun match, and it was especially fun given the circumstances because they had to win or KT would have been in the playoffs. But classic KT, just you know, barely missing. <laughs> <laughs> You could you could hear you could the change all the players. Not you can could, you could change all the players many times, but the results will always be the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, come on, Monty. They
2: used to be like almost winning and now they're just almost making playoffs. It's been
1: significantly more and more disappointing over time. <laughs> well <laughs> well, they I tried a- they actually tried to like get Scout this offseason, but then they failed to do it. So they could have been good, maybe. They they yep. definitely tried really hard this offseason to field a more competitive roster and got cock blocked.
0: Unlucky. Uh well, with that, no uh KT in the playoffs. We'll get a rematch of the match that got uh Fred Brian into the playoffs, Damwon Kia against them, and then the opposite side, uh Kwan Dong, Dong Freaks. I always Quang mess his name Dong. up freaks up against uh drx (laughs) teddy and his boys against drx uh in the other playoff matchup because there was a fifth sixth place tiebreaker uh guangdong won so they'll get to play drx and then it'll be t1's selection of who wins to play the playoffs and then genji will play whoever's left over uh quick thoughts on drx fan by the way Hmm? oh i'm secretly a drx
1: fan why are you? In- <laughs> why why is that? Uh, you enjoying say, yeah. Deft? Deft has had a very impressive split.
2: Yeah, Deft's been good. I mean, I think Barrel. Uh, I always thought Barrel was the better part of the bot. I mean, like I said, I was a Ghost hater, which means that I thought the Barrel. I think it was, was clear, clear that Barrel was the better part of the bot
1: lane. He <laughs> no, did have a slump though. He, I, I,
2: I will say, okay, so at MSI he completely ran it down, and people were like, yeah, we he had a slump him. for a
1: while. Yeah, yeah,
2: sure, but I mean, I thought he was definitely the like the more impressive player um of the two, and then I also like Zika. And I wanted to see him do well because he played for BLG last year. Um, and he made, like, a huge, uh, like, he made a lot of strides between spring and summer. And it was one of the biggest ways that LPL was condemned was that, like, look, Zika's doing pretty well. He's, like, a top six mid laner in, in LPL. That's And he, he was somebody who was a, an LCK reject. Nobody even wanted him in Korea. And he's, like, top six in, in LPL. LPL sucks. Like, I, rem- I remember seeing this argument multiple times. <laughs> And I was like, no, he's actually playing pretty well now. So, I mean, I still think Zika is, is pretty good. Like, he's not the best, but he's not bad. He clearly, like, does things with intention. I think he's, like, a good guy to have on your
1: team. So, yeah. I, I think it's interesting to look at Pioshik last year, who is actually probably one of the better junglers in especially LCK. In yeah, especially in spring. And <laughs> he was just, uh, his team was just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, but now... Now that he actually has better teammates he is a lot less consistent and he's had some good games but he's also had some really bad games and it it has been playing through through deft and barrel that has had this team success so as strong as their bot lane is i just don't think they're going to be able to be competitive in a best of five against teams that are capable of potentially winning through jungle and top in particular
2: I mean, I think uh, P- Piochek's like an interesting player to follow too, because uh, if you remember how it was in that spring split of twenty twenty one, he was playing. He was the guy that's pretty much started Udir. He was the guy that brought him into the meta and just <laughs> kept on playing. And people were like, "Wait, this is actually broken." And he was one of those guys that like it looked like he didn't have as insane mechanics as like the top tier of um, of lck and i know people will always be like oh but he started as a kindred one trick well it didn't look like he was you know that type of guy but it looked but to me i like the fact that he was one of the junglers that would pull out like specifically like interesting champions for the game like uh you know champions that you know worked or theoretically would make sense in a game that were off meta so he's just one of like the more interesting junglers to to watch for me uh, historically
1: yeah i do i do wonder what's been going on this year though because he doesn't seem to be his old self unfortunately
2: well he's probably playing on a better team now so it's like you're gonna just fit into like the role that we need you to play rather than like you know be the guy that's popping off yeah yeah trying to pop off with like a mundo i mean it's not like those mundo games went well but i like that he picked it and i mean he picked he's one of the only korean junglers (laughs) that picked skarner i feel like like when this champion was broken uh koreans just had a they had just like some type of weird uh just idea around the pick and how it wasn't viable where it's like really it's okay just ban the Olaf and then you're fine like that's literally all you need to do but they had a weird aversion to Skarner so I like that he was actually one of the people that picked it
0: well uh the connection to NA here is of course Coach Song who spent some time over at Immortals TSM Echo Fox at CLG brings it back on over heard a lot of Captain Flowers saying pick Skarner
1: famous there it is. Famous Najin mid laner TF, Mm -hmm. Twisted Fate hero from back in the day, from the Mock Noon era.
0: Also, just throwing that out there, he he was renewed. Coach CV Max was not. And so he's now the head coach. So he was interim head coach. CV Max came in. He became an assistant coach. And then at the beginning of this split, they went with Song and not with CV Max. CV Max, a free agent. Maybe a team that needs some direction. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. So that's uh, LCK uh, playoffs. They begin this week. It's during the week, I think. Yeah, and then I think they they knock out the the whole playoff bracket within two weeks. So LCK wasted no time for that. Uh, Let's move to LPL for our LPL. Update, Uh, Dom, LPL almost ready for playoffs. Basically, they're playing makeup matches from earlier in the season so that they can finish up the final couple of seeds. Uh, Fun Plus Phoenix and OMG fighting for the last couple of spots. And I think OMG have like three three games to play they have the most games to play everyone else is just kind of bouncing off of omg there was uh, i think a health health issue for one of them so maybe like covid but they didn't specifically say that and then there was like internet stability issues as well so a lot of games to make up here this week what what happened in the final week for everyone else here dom and what are we looking forward to as uh, we look the playoffs
2: so there's something so v5 secured first slot or first seed in playoffs yeah. which is really big in in lpl because of how the tournament bracket works we've talked about it before but essentially yep. it, the way it works is it's a gauntlet into double elimination so if you do qualify top two you're guaranteed double elimination um so that's really good for for v5 they've been the best team and also the, the top the two seeds
1: only have to win three matches in order to win the tournament three best of guys yep. yeah so it's a lot easier as opposed to if you start eighth seed you you might have to win one two three four five six so
2: yeah, you'll you'll have to win six. You could end up playing seven total yeah. if you go into <laughs> the loser kit
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
2: <laughs> crazy. But I mean, that's what makes it really interesting um, to watch because you got you get to see teams that that like deserve to play against each other. You don't have to watch like first through eight, first playing eighth or you know like whatever we got to watch last season where it's like oh we get to watch a series of fucking seventh place dignitas or like eighth place dignitas at the end of summer where they have like. 13 wins or something like you don't have to watch any of those matches which is really good um yeah. so yeah i think that that, that that's uh, a huge thing and then also there was lng versus edg and edg is continued like edg looked really good in the first like 25 minutes It's like holy shit they're back that's the world champions they're going to win again here it is this is like where they they start their comeback they're gonna win out they're gonna be really strong for playoffs and then just
1: threw uh game one to lng and then lost the second one so i didn't i didn't see the second game but i i've watched a lot of these these edg games over the past few weeks and like there's a pattern to the way they lose like when they will literally just chase the enemy team through the entire enemy team's jungle in a massive extended fight until like somebody respawns or like rotates into their own jungle. And then they just lose the fight. Like JJ, they really like to over pursue. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: And I mean, I think that's like, that's just kind of how it looks like when LPL teams do poorly and, you know, it just, it's so close. <laughs> They're just like, like, we oh. must
1: go deeper. Like, every time, I'm like, no, yeah. stop,
2: please. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. Th- this one was really sad because it was like, wow, this is great. Like, the whole early game was played really well. Just, like, the way that yep. they orchestrated everything, it's just like, to T. it's like, damn, that is great League of Legends. And then as soon as they threw the game, it's like, oh, my God, this is, <laughs> this is as bad as it could be. Like, you couldn't throw any harder at a more crucial time, and they just yeah. ended up losing the game, so... I think it's really interesting right now because it feels a lot more open than um, last year. So, for example, last year in summer, FPX and EDG looked like a cut above the rest of the teams. It looked like there was a very clear, like, number one and number two um, in LPL. And then number three, I think a lot of people had coming into playoffs as RNG, even though RNG did end up losing um, a series to LNG. And because they weren't in the double elimination stage yet, they were just instantly knocked out. Um, and we never actually got to see how they performed. Um throughout that play. I mean, we got to see like one match, but we didn't get to see them play through double elimination and they were a team that came back through the losers bracket to win in uh Spring Split. So, I think this time it looks a lot more open. I know Weibo has a pretty good record, but I feel like they're falling off a bit. So, right now V5 looks like the best team and, you know, there's there's some some other teams that are actually starting to to look a lot better. So, for example, Top Esports started off really poorly. And then they benched Zoom, who's one of their most historic players. Um, well, I mean, he was historically good for JDG. Just joined TS, but he's like one of the historic players on their roster. Um, sure. And he, you know, was looked like he was performing fine. They benched him for this guy Wayward. This way guys a fucking monster. I don't know where he came from, but he is absolutely. I mean, he came from their academy team. I'll tell you where he came from, but I, I don't know like how the <laughs> fuck he ended up being so fucking good. Like This guy has actually been smurfing and top esports has like an insane winner. I, I'm not sure if they lost the game afterwards, but I think they won like s- like six, seven series in a row. So they're looking pretty good as well. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see like, all these teams uh, shape up. JDG is back. People were counting them out. They're looking pretty good as well. So it's going to be a really like close uh, playoffs. I think the top six are a lot closer than they were um, last season. For example,
0: yeah, it is. It is so close there that they still don't know who the second seed is. All the way through six, you've got one, two, three, four, five teams still possibly locked up at a eleven and five tie. Like, that's going to be a foldy sheet of tiebreakers there for uh, the LPL with RNG in the best position to do it. They have one of those makeup games, uh, I believe, against OMG. So, RNG, Ooh. OMG will play for that second spot. And then, OMG and Fun Plus Phoenix, like I said, kind of just fighting for that final spot. Everything else below them is figured out, everything else above them is a big. Jumble and that includes Billy Billy Gaming, who just now started putting Uzi back on into the starting roster there. Uh, yeah, yeah, lots to watch for. Lots yeah, watch so
2: for. first round of playoffs, guys, we're gonna have EDG playing in the first round of playoffs, seven versus 10. So they're gonna be playing either FPX or OMG, and then you're gonna have BLG, which is Uzi's team. Um, and you assume that because he's been getting more time that he will be playing, um, at least the important games in playoffs, they're gonna be playing against RA, so like you already have, uh, you know, teams that are. We're supposed to be favorites to win all of spring playing immediately in round one, and they're gonna have to run the gauntlet to even get to the double elimination part.
0: Yeah, the bot lane matchup in that one uh, it is Uzi slash doggo against iBoy. So, again, just legacy names here in the first round of playoffs, just to yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, that was a quick look at our LPL playoffs as we move forward to a playoffs that has been waiting for a while, bacon for three weeks to see what finally comes out of it. It's time for the LEC to come out of their break and into their spring playoffs. Uh, again, to set the, uh, set the stage, you've got the winner's bracket with rogue against misfits Fnatic against G2 El classico uh, those, uh, that is, those are both double limb places. And then on the bottom side of the bracket, you got super team vitality against first time playoff participants, Excel, uh, they only get one series, uh, no, no losses there because they start on a loser side bracket. Uh, what are your thoughts here as we take a quick peek at this one
1: here, Monty? Uh, I, I look I think it's very difficult to predict this bracket overall because we haven't seen any of these teams play on the most recent patch. Uh and as opposed to well, I guess LPL still been on twelve four, uh, but mm-hmm. we've seen LCS played on the most recent patch now, and I believe we've seen it has been on an L C K also has been on twelve point five for the past mm-hmm. um for the yeah, past so week.
2: LCS this week was on twelve point five B, which is the one with all the A D changes. So yeah. We'll see. Like, um, so I don't know. Did LCK actually play with all the AD changes? Were they on 12.5 or 12.5B? Because the B patch is when all the AD p- changes actually came in.
1: Yes, I know that. I do not know the answer to whether they were on 12.5 or 12B this last week. Interesting. I mean, it's so weird to have like a B patch and then, like, it's not just, just call it 12.16 for fuck's sake. Yeah, uh, 12.6, yeah. yeah. Uh, 12.6, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, so I think it's it's always difficult when teams have had such a long break, uh, especially when they haven't played on the patch that we're going to be seeing, because weird scrim metas can develop within regions, and people will have different priorities based on that patch from what they're seeing in scrims, and inevitably somebody's going to like probably value something way too high, and then they're going to get it wrong, and they're going to have to adapt really quickly. Also... Uh, When you have breaks this long, you can actually address systemic issues. When you're in the week-to-week prep and grind, it becomes very hard for teams to, if there are serious issues with comms or priority uh, in terms of how they're playing, you can't really easily address that. But when you have three weeks, you can actually kind of get to some uh, underlying fundamental issues, which might be very helpful for Vitality, for instance, uh, as a roster. Uh, I do think Rogue is probably the heavy favorites going into this. Uh, People might look at Fnatic and say, well, they had a strong end of the split. They won the last matchup versus Rogue. I still think Rogue is going to be extremely stable and favorable in this meta. I think that they won't be giving Fnatic a lot of the... I don't think they're going to give Humanoid Twisted Fate again, for example. Like, I just wouldn't do that if I were them. Uh, so I think that they'll be able to dial in on, on some of Fnatic's strengths if they end up facing them in the final. I think it's pretty obvious that Rogue would pick Misfits here, considering that some of Misfits' wins are kind of fraudulent in terms of the comebacks. Uh, not to say that Rogue hasn't thrown massive leads. Looking at you, Game 5 of Finals versus Mad Lions, it's certainly capable, uh, but also two different players on the team uh, these days. So um, Yeah. Like... I, I think I think Misfits is the easy one because you you know they're gonna play through a VTO. Um, they have a I think they have less versatility than G two, uh, and you just don't want to hit like playoff playoffs caps or like him on a hot streak. I think Vitality probably a favorite in the in the bottom half of the bracket, especially because we assume these players are gonna at least somewhat get their shit together for playoffs. And especially with the break i think that's a that's a favorable scenario for vitality overall
0: another thing that came out was the all pro for lec uh this split uh odo and malrong on the top side of the map as your all pros from rogue vto in the mid lane for misfits and then upset and hilly uh and the bot lane duo I'm not sure on this one. Like so I'm actually checking it right now. Is this the first time like how long has it been since we haven't had a G2 player in uh years. the All Pro? Like
1: first time I think. <laughs> it must be years, right? It, it yeah. must be the first time ever.
2: Must be the first time ever, I think.
0: I yeah, two. I think the closest was Yankos. They did release like the overall vote count. I think Yankos was the closest. Maybe 2018.
2: 2018 would probably be the only time I could see that happening.
0: Yeah, that should have been my fact of the week but just it it was it was pretty cool to see and i don't think we have too many gripes with with this voting here but it just kind of shows the shift in power that's happening uh in europe right now broken blade was also second behind otawamne i believe those are the two that were close for
2: yeah uh, i mean i think i think it's kind of weird that so many people had humanoid at the top where it's like yeah i mean like you could say that he's probably like the best skilled mid laner like i could i could see him being the best mid laner in playoffs for example but I think that saying that he had the best mid lane performance over the course of the split is—they forgot true. the first round robin, apparently. I mean, the first
1: round robin, yeah, exactly. I mean, like he had a bunch of weird games in the first it, round robins. So. It, it. I was talking about this on Summoning Insight with Odo Amne today because he was on he was on the show, and uh, it it is pretty egregious that Larson was like.
0: Yeah, I think VTO,
1: you you could make an argument for VTO over Larson, but I don't know how you make the, the humanoid over Larson argument because Larson, like, what does this guy have to fucking do? He's playing in his ideal meta after coming off a season where he kind of played counter to his own style and still did very well. He is he is now not covering for a farming jungler, but is instead being empowered by a jungler who ganks for him and gets him ahead and plays to his strengths instead of the other way around. And he, he just wins the regular the, he just wins the regular split again and does well the entire time. Meanwhile, humanoid looked pretty bad for the first round, Robin. And only because of recency bias would we consider humanoid anywhere close to being in this conversation. I think humanoid so I think is third. third. I would give humanoid. Would humano- third. Humanoid is third. I mean that's yeah. fair, but like I think I think Larson deserves more than humanoid. Yeah, it was it was three points. And was three three first points. is video, yeah,
2: so, yeah. I mean, I, I think the video just video has such
1: like he just didn't have bad games. He really just didn't have bad games. Like the, like, I think he's a clear version. MVP of the league. Like I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with with that aspect of it. Right. Yeah, but I think I think there's been some pretty serious retconning of humanoid split, where. I agree with you, Dom. Now yeah. he may look absolutely amazing in playoffs, but we're f- the the expectation was that he was going to look amazing the whole time. Considering he was probably the literally the hottest free agent in the entire Western. Scheme. He was the best. He was the best player in LEC last year. Yeah, and, and and like all the teams in NA and EU wanted him. There was like a fucking battle going on for for humanoid mm-hmm. uh, between a lot of these teams, and he ends up going to Fnatic. So he's like he's like the premier get in the Western scene this offseason, and he comes onto a team with a massive fan base and history of success, and he he really didn't deliver at first. And now that he is, people are like, oh, yeah, this is how it always was the whole time. It's like, no, no. I mean, if I I were to say,
2: like, if I were to say in the last, like, three weeks who played the best, maybe I could say humanoid, but that's
1: not what the award is. Like, exactly. What, no. <laughs> he can yeah. win playoff MVP. That's fine. Go ahead. God, Godspeed humanoid on your, your finals if, MVP if, performance. If you were going to
2: ask me right now, who's the mid laner I would want the most on my team. And I could select through, from all of the mid laners right now in Europe, I would probably say humanoid as well, but it's just, it's so weird to see like split awards, just not be for
1: the split. You know, like and that be, just for, like, seems very strange. Week,
0: the last four weeks or five weeks, <laughs> like your form, your pre playoffs. Yeah. Like,
1: it kind of has to do to like, you know, be above like he did. What was wrong with Larson? He was just better as a whole, as a whole split.
0: Uh, Mid had the least amount of variance. It was only VTO, Humanoid, Larson, and then Caps and Perks uh, getting yep. votes. Caps got 16, Perks got two er, points, because I think it's, it's weighted, right? First, second, and third. You have to vote first, second, and third. And like I said, only three points separating Humanoid and Larson, 87 to 84. VTO getting 129. And I think those were the closest... That was the closest battle between all the roles. Mickey X and uh uh Targamas uh 34 and 28 for a third all pro. But uh just interesting to see how the votes shook up here for the LEC as they go into playoffs and kind of how our voters were thinking across the different coaches, captains, and I think media outlets and casters. So those those are where you get your votes uh for for that. All right. Big wrap up today. That was, uh, we had a lot to set the stage for for I mean, the next several weeks.
1: Even more next week, right? Because it's LCS Super Week, LEC Playoffs, LCK Playoffs, LPL Playoff starts. LCK playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and and
0: LCK like crunches their games in. It. it I guess LCK and LPL are going to crunch their games because they just have so many. Like LCK just I mean, does a quick. Series. LPL has a lot of games. Yeah.
2: Yeah. LPL just has thirteen series. So it's like
1: they just have to start. Yeah
0: uh let's close it out well,
1: well to be to be fair there's actually fewer lpl games this week than normal oh no never mind oh no there are there's actually only two best of fives this week it's actually less like, yeah no, 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 that's
2: that's saturday and sunday because it starts <laughs> yeah. with saturday and sunday but then there's right. also like all the lpl the games that are games. going on the makeup games start uh right on wednesday so yeah it, but like, there's still
1: it's... fewer games than normal in lpl this week right yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, not it's your point, seven man. days of two best of threes. There's two best of fives and two best of one tiebreakers. Right? That's it. Uh, there should be mm-hmm. best no. of threes. Best of best three of tiebreakers. Threes. It's still yeah, way less yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is it's way still way less games.
0: Uh, and we get more LCS instead. Uh, Jesus. Close no. it out here with our uh, favorite segment of the show, Dog or God. Who we got? uh I think I always start with you, Dom. Who we got for your God of the week. Uh yeah, let's go positive first. God of the week. <laughs> God of the week. Hmm. What a really
2: insane week in LCS. I don't know. I don't know who I would give it to. Maybe closer. Like, I mean they went 2 0. Closer's <laughs> always solid. I'd probably <laughs> just give it to him. Why not? <laughs>
1: Okay. Monty. For for God? I'm thinking Umti, man. That guy fucked shit up. Yeah. Crucial game uh yeah. that they had to win against what should be a top team in the region to get into playoffs. His kicks were amazing. He played team fights super well. You don't expect it from him. So I think I think he, he deserves to be a, a god for one week.
0: Yeah. That one feels good too. I love these ones. that feel really good. Um, winning and watching uh, Fred O'Brien win, and uh, like just it, he took over the game. It was a takeover kind of game, which is where mine is going to. Mine is going to take over. Uh, god of the week because this kid comes on in, uh, in a just dis- like just a team in disarray. His all pro MVP, number one jungler ints away the game and has to just face uh, just you know, <laughs> crap to start things off against uh, the former TSM mid laner still holds uh, holds his weight, and TSM get themselves a 2-0, the first 2-0. They double their win total, uh, uh, almost double their win total. Uh, and so I- I'm-, I'm happy for him. God of the week there. Uh, Monty, who do you
1: got for dog of the week? We're just going to pick Arrow again. <laughs> 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 it's like a month oh, of man. Arrow being the dog. <laughs> nope, I'm not picking <laughs> Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay Who you, <laughs> Dom. Who you got fake god yeah oh yeah i knew it was coming i knew it was coming <laughs> I, <laughs> I think mean, i li- literally
2: just go earlier in the episode where i flame him for like 15 minutes straight like that <laughs> that's what i would say here again if you if you wanted an explanation
1: yeah i fake I, dog. I figured i figured that one i figured that uh, one.
2: real dog coming. real dog sorry he's real dog aka
1: fake god <laughs> it would actually be an amazing solo queue name for him made made for this segment uh i think i think it's hard to argue i think it's it's really hard to argue with with the the fake god one this week
0: yeah i I think for me it's someone on immortals who is it on immortals
1: really they had some bright moments at least
0: yeah but is like
2: arrow again he was down a million cs like yeah yeah it's just flame
0: i think i think uh, i was i I was vod reviewing on stream and i was like how the fuck is he down 60 cs and only getting flame horizon here like again yeah uh, arrow or the the team i don't know yeah we'll leave it there sorry arrow
1: okay what a episode (laughs) i feel so bad for arrow he did it just coming back in Taking Wild Turtles' spot and then being subjected to this mess, which is – Immortals is clearly, like, a teamwork and coordination issue, so it's really rough. Because even when he looks bad, like, you know, he's attacking the Nexus instead of attacking, you know, the enemy players or (laughs) – All of these problems that occur with this with this roster, it's because they're not on the same page, and Uh, they just end up looking bad. uh, I would I would be down with that if it wasn't for the
2: fact that his lane looks like shit. Which it's like, why is your lane so bad? Like Destiny is not, but it's it's just a mystery. I mean, (laughs) but like, but I mean, his lane is bad. I mean, I just I can't see
1: the lane in these games, so I just don't know.
2: (laughs) I mean, but it's like it's clearly he's making mistakes in lane. I mean, there has been games where they they did show his laning and it never looked good so to me i think that's the the biggest issue is like i mean i could understand being like an 80 carry on a bad team can sometimes be a bad proposition proposition when no one's you know peeling for you and you don't have the ability to actually fight because people aren't conscious of your positions and stuff like that completely get that but it's like i i was expecting more out of his lane phase that's it uh final Fine. it's bit,
1: time yeah. to it's time to it's time to bring back hachani let's roll him out of retirement yep. Yep. You know, <laughs> <the spotlight. laughs> that's what has to happen
0: uh, we'll find, i can find make another here. video about him who who are, who are playoff teams or i guess who's the teams that 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 yeah who are playoff teams for lcs immortals and tsm need a perfect run counter logic gaming need a near perfect run uh, and then everyone else has their destiny in their own hands. Other okay, than Dignitas I got it right here. Top three.
2: Here, I'll solve the mystery for everyone. All right, C9TL top two. Yeah, Under Thieves third. Yep. Yeah. Then you have the the bottom three are going to be FlyQuest. I mean, they're ready. Are are they? They're already almost guaranteed.
1: EG Golden Guardians. Mystery EG Golden <laughs> Guardians. Mystery solved. <laughs> mystery solved. All right. Dignitas, Dignitas schedule is too up. hard.
0: Yeah. Yep. Toss on the way out, no miracle runs there from CLG Immortals of TSM. Same, Monty.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what I was gonna say.
0: All right, mystery solved, episode done. We'll catch y'all next week as we catch up with all the league's playoff races and playoffs. Uh, everywhere, make sure to like and subscribe so we can smash the Astralis number of 1100 and what was it, 11,600. We're almost We're halfway there. And we, are, we deserve to have more than Astralis. And make sure to catch Dom, Monty, and myself on our socials and all the things we'll be doing. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll catch you all for the next episode of The Jungle presented by Deserto.